You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Emma Sazic's interview with the producer and star for Acid Man, Diana Payton. Guess I could have picked up a little had I known you were making the trip. Dad, what made you pick this place? It's a good place to be left alone. Oh, look. Airplane? No, think interplanetary. You can say it. A UFO? Yes, Whoa. yes. <laughs> Well, technically, it's an IFO because you just identified it. Hello, Diana. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. It's a little early in the morning. Don't know who is talking. (laughs) The Zoom overlords are talking. Where are you based? I am in Palm Springs, so it's a little earlier than, I'm assuming, maybe New York for you, (laughs) based on East Coast time. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time today. How are you? I'm doing really well. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's funny. I've been having a, a mini Glee reunion this weekend. I saw Darren Chris perform on Saturday at a fundraiser here in town. And now I get to talk with you. So <laughs> oh, my, inner, my inner teenager is screaming from seeing all these people who I watched all the time. <laughs> um, I had a chance to watch this uh, Acid Man yesterday and... I'm always loving all the projects that you've been in the last few years post Glee um, and just seeing you get to interact with really awesome people in the industry. And uh, I'd love to know, um, I adored Shiva Baby, for example. I really enjoyed your role in this film. And, you know, what types of projects do you do you try to look out for and seek um, in these, you know, recent last few years? Hmm. I feel very lucky that I've been able to explore many different territories. Uh, This film in particular, I loved Alex Lehman's work and I kind of made that known. And he came to me with this script that just felt special and personal and yet completely, uh, it both had ties to my life and then was very different than anything that I experienced with my own father. Um, And I would just... There were so many reasons I wanted to explore this with Alex. One, I really was excited to build in this way. We spent months prior to shooting, speaking together, both separately or with Thomas, and building out who these characters were going to be. The filmmaking process was such that over half of the dialogue in the film is improv-based. And so while you know what the scene is going to ultimately be about, you know what the character needs or what the character is looking for, um, you have these goalposts that are set within the within the scene, but then you have this freedom to say something that you either might be drawing from previous conversations you had where, you know, like I said, in the months-long process of building these relationships, we kind of dreamed some of the things that they might be able to access in their, uh, you know, search for a, a more uh, connected relationship, because these are two people who haven't spent an enormous amount of time. Uh, they haven't seen each other for about 10 years and so much distance between them is they're They're hoping to bridge that distance. So that was a really wonderful filmmaking project. Uh, and those were the reasons that I wanted to, jump on board and build this with Alex. I was actually curious if uh, there was room for improv with this film, just because, I mean, I can imagine it must be a very 
awkward situation when you see someone you know you haven't seen especially a, a father for 10 years and it's kind of like how do you approach that how do you write that in a script for example but it's really cool to see that you both you and Thomas were given this this leeway and this freedom and that um did you two get to discuss a little bit beforehand how you wanted to approach those scenes or was it really just kind of in that moment whatever you two felt was the best way um, because we had had these zooms, uh, I, I say zooms cause I'm so used to calling everything a zoom <laughs> Two zooms. We, we spoke on the phone. <laughs> Same thing. Was really helpful. It was per Thomas's request. And I really enjoyed what that allowed for. I was able to listen to his voice for so many months leading up to filming, but I wasn't seeing him. So when I saw him, as we went to shoot this in Oregon, I was seeing him for the first time and I had never met him before. So I remember Alex and I walking into this diner, meeting Thomas in person for the first time. And my heart, I felt the same emotions that one would feel, um, you know, that she would have felt not having seen him um, for that length of time. So that was really a great uh, element of design by Thomas. And yeah, because we had this really well-packed bag of things that our characters, their belief system and, and who they had become and what they didn't know about each other in that space of time that they had, you know, not spent time near each other. There was a lot of stuff to pull from, but every scene as we approached it, Alex would remind us, you know, this is the main this is the main goal of this scene. And with that in mind, if there was a joke that came up, if there was an uncomfortable moment, you wanted to go with it. Uh, you just wanted to be really present and aware of how you were feeling as that character and go with those impulses. Um, so that was, yeah, it was very, very fun to have that mm -hmm. in place. You also uh, mentioned a little bit earlier that obviously this character is her experiences are quite different from your experiences in terms of with your own relationship with your father. Um, you know, reading that really just the hurt that she has definitely endured internally and might show externally in her own relationships. How do you go about, you know, trying to approach that? I know, I know you're an actor and you can live and show those experiences, but when it comes to something as personal as this, I'm sure that maybe that kind of takes a little extra thinking in terms of how to inhabit that space. Yes and no. Um, the one element of my own real life, there's a challenging element to my own relationship with my father is that he's been sick for many, many years, more, more years now than not. And so there have been so many different versions of my father over the course of my lifetime as the sickness has gotten, unfortunately, ultimately worse. And so those seeds I brought to the character, because I know what it's like to show up and have somebody act and and um, and just feel very, very different because of where life has taken them. So that was something that was very easy to layer in. But the characters, Maggie and Lloyd, they are so specific. And so <laughs> that's kind of where it began and ended. Um, Thomas is somebody that I've loved his work for many, many years and he is such a wonderful actor and human. And I just loved watching him and watching Lloyd, the choices that he was making. We had this inability 
especially in the beginning to get very close to each other. And so you're trying to access somebody, but there's no physical touch. There's no hugging. There's no um, sitting next to each other. And, you know, uh, uh, that kind of stuff has to build over the course of the relationship. They have to be able to trust each other enough to have that intimacy. And they're both wanting the other person to make, you know, the effort that they're hoping for without giving enough of it themselves. And so there was just this push-pull game where, you know, he might feel more defensive in a scene and therefore I might try to be a little bit more vulnerable to bring him in or vice versa. And so there was this interesting kind of dynamic game that we had to play where we had to really understand, okay, uh, what, who's giving more in this moment of the, of mm-hmm. the script and, and what does that mean? And, and why is that allowed? And so, yeah, there was just a lot of, it was delicate. You had to really balance this because ultimately they both are so longing to be loved and heard and understood. And it's the distance that's, uh, that's caused that, uh, break. And so mm-hmm. that's what ultimately they're both hoping for. And she forces it upon him. She shows up and and he's not asked for it. So <laughs> she's really knocking on the door and uh, and making big demands. Yeah. yeah, she was like, I'm here whether you want me to be here or not. We're gonna we're gonna hash it out a little bit now. No, it it it's true. It's it's like you two had a little dance going on um in some scenes where you are kind of putting your heart on out on your sleeve. He is very, he's very quiet and maybe more reflective than we may think in those moments. And then, and then same thing with him too. If he shows a little bit more than maybe Maggie is kind of, I'm not ready to listen to this. I don't want to take this advice. Like in one scene where we see in all of that, did you really have a lot of either say, or did you get to do a lot of work yourself on, on Maggie and building up this character in in terms of your conversations with Alex and, and the other writer? Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Yeah. Um, originally, Maggie was a man and oh. originally this was a father-son piece. And at the point that Alex brought to me, he had wrapped his brain around having it be a father-daughter piece. And we were able to talk about certain plot points that might be helpful, that might have furthered her desire to make that connection at that point. There is something that happens over the course of the film that, you know, we seeded in our initial conversations together because I thought that it might really further her desire for that to be the moment in which she mends uh, or attempts to mend a relationship with her father. It just you know, some life moments cause for a calling for more help. And and so that was um, a great experience to be able to build that path with Alex. And he's such an incredible collaborator in that way, because every idea can be heard and 
thoroughly discussed and and we just really uh, were able to build it. We were also, he brought me in in such a lovely, informative way. I was able to produce this alongside him and, um, you know, one of our producers, Kristen, uh, Egypt, he was so helpful because we really, we put so many things on the line as far as how we were going to build it, where we were going to shoot it, because we were still early days into the pandemic. So we had to make sure that we were going to keep everybody safe, how to assemble the budget. There was, there was so much learning that happened along the building process. And I was just really, really so happy to be there for all of those those decisions because it just it furthers my knowledge of of everything and it is really hard to build a film it was really hard to build a film considering it was you know early 2021 and we had such a magical time being in our little bubble in this pocket of Oregon where that location so helped us and that you know the nature of that film and the feeling of being so small as humans in that carved out space uh, it really just lent itself so beautifully to the piece. I loved every scenic shot in this film. I mean, Oregon, I've never been there myself, but yes. it just is stunning. And I can't even imagine, I can't believe that we get to live in a country that has that kind of landscape in it. And I, like you said, I'm sure that that certainly just helped not only build up that story and uh, a lot of themes of loneliness that we feel in the story, but just the whole big picture with COVID-19 going on at that time. I mean, a really healing environment, I'm sure that it was. It was lovely. Yeah. Our crew, (laughs) we were so, it is not usual that each department head has no assistance. Like we had (laughs) one costumer, one set designer, one sound. It just, we really didn't trust that we could be any bigger than that and keep everybody safe. And that just meant that everybody helped each other immensely. Uh, You know, we had um, Nathan, our production designer, he was building Lloyd's house, which as you know, from seeing the film, it is (laughs) a interesting, he is a hoarder of sorts and there is a method to his madness, but it is, it is quite a interesting uh, <laughs> to come across. And I remember in the days leading up, everybody who could, who had additional time, who wasn't working on their portion of the film would go and help him and throw things around and <laughs> on the wall and, and help create Lloyd's, uh, you know, funny world together with him. But yeah, it just, we, uh, we really bonded. So much more than than you might have on another film. It just awesome. it was it was very fun. We we joked that uh, we might never leave, but uh, it's all, <laughs> there's a camp there where most everybody lived, and so it's it's there for us when we want to return. Oh, that's so sweet! And plus, a little tiny trailer with Acid Man written all over it. <laughs> I do have to ask, you know there's a very unique part of this film and that is the fact that Lloyd is an alien searcher not hunter (laughs) but he loves searching for aliens did you uh you know when you first read that script and saw that that was kind of the the unique hook to this did that first how did that even like register in your mind but second did doing this kind of make you think a little bit more about the the universe that we're living in (laughs) right 
it was something that there was there was many pieces that I would watch leading up to this in documentaries and other films, uh, relational films, things that Alex had um, had mapped out for me to to pay attention to. And uh, when we were there filming, there was one night where we it was our first kind of perhaps late night scene. And it was very, very cold. We were up on this bluff and we had to shoot where um, we had to shoot kind of uh, the sunset we shot for sunrise. And then as soon as it was black, we were shooting that for the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And it was just cold. It was so cold. <laughs> Everybody was layered up as much as they could be, but it was just, it was still just beyond, beyond reasonable for us to be still out there. And, you know, Thomas and I are having to pretend like the weather is not as such. And we're just having this <laughs> conversation without this wind whipping at us. And it was the first week of production. And we just, it was almost as if we needed this. There was this moment where one of our crew said, look over there, that's so crazy. And it was this string of lights that looked, uh, you know, it was very unexplainable. And everybody got very excited and it completely changed the mood. And we realized later it was Starlink. So it was this satellite internet constellation and when they go out apparently the longer they've been out they change formation so they start kind of clumped together and then oh. over time we saw it once again when we were in Oregon and it was more like um they were spread out and kind of this diagonal line but it was so strange to see it and we were so small up on this cliff and uh and you just think there's so many things you see in life that feel pretty unexplainable and I think for Lloyd his character, it's what keeps him going. It's what he's found that he really can hold a belief to and that makes him feel a part of something. And so that is what both me and my character have to, you know, find, even though we can't fully understand and mm-hmm. we haven't spent the same amount of time committed to these ideas or or even that that can be a possibility. And uh so yeah, those things were all fun parts of filming. And, uh, you know, we were, I remember as a team, we were watching Close Encounters and uh, (laughs) our gaffers set up. He just said he didn't want to watch the film. And towards the end of film, right as that landing happened, he had been setting up outside the house, all these lights. So as (laughs) the big final scene is happening, suddenly the house is being flooded with orange and red and green, blue flashing lights. Everybody's like, wait, what's going on? It was incredible. But yeah, so from top to bottom, we just constantly were talking about, you know, the possibilities, beliefs, what one believes in, what one doesn't. And I think uh, it's just fun to contemplate many, many things in life. Yeah, I'm sure it definitely kind of broke up the heaviness that this film (laughs) touches on a little bit of humor here and there. I, yeah. I'm sure that you and I have to wrap up very soon, but, um, you know, do you see yourself continuing to being in this producer role? Because that's a, it's a whole different branch of filmmaking, as you said, like being really involved with every step of the way, um, you know, do you see that more in your future? And what are some of the the things that you really learned about filmmaking through that process? I think there's so many ways in which one can produce. You can be a creative producer and build a story with a writer or, you know, write one yourself and work it from that angle. You can 
be, um, you know, more on the field as far as like searching for money and locations and things like that. I, I love the creative side of, of producing and, you know, sometimes you need to be involved with all to get things going and, and have them be achievable. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't think that you can go backwards. I think that being involved with a project from the very inception and moving forward in that way is very, very exciting. And, and, um, and I, I wouldn't say it, it gets in certain aspects, I think it gets easier because you have experience in certain ways. It's always going to be hard, but you do it because (laughs) you love it and therefore it's worth it. So well, I thought I thought you did a great job. <laughs> I clearly don't know anything about the behind the scenes work, but I'll just say that you did a great job. <laughs> well, thank you so very much, Diana, for your time. It was such a pleasure to chat with you and to learn more about the film, but also just to kind of get a little inside look at, at all things here. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and hopefully our paths cross once again. Likewise. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Emma Sasek's interview with the producer and star for Acid Man, Diana Agron, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Acid Man will be in theaters and on demand on March 31st from Brainstorm Media. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.